to instruct me. Gives me a song. 
an awesome way to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing then in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Imagine, Abigail, how I felt, how any of us felt when we returned to Ziklag and found it in ruins and our families gone, taken captive by the Amalekites. We despaired of ever seeing you again. And how do you think I felt, David? Have you ever been a woman and taken captive by an enemy to be made a slave? Oh, hardly. I can only imagine how you must have felt. Oh, it would have been worse than death. It's so wonderful to have you back again and safe. And I thought I'd never see you again. The Amalekites were getting so drunk that well, there was no telling what they might have done to us. But we arrived and rescued you just in time. Thanks be to God. Yes, the Lord has blessed us again. Now, back home to Ziklag. Even though there's nothing but ashes remaining. Hard work will rebuild the house, and love will make it a place of happiness and joy. How's the reconstruction going, Joab? Beginning to shape up, David, sir. How long do you think it'll take? Just a few days, sir. Well, dear, the place is beginning to look like a city again. It's surprising what can be done in three days when one's heart is in it. Thanks to you, David. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I had an interesting conversation with one of your soldiers while you were away, and mm. I found out... Yes? Well, who was it? I believe his name was Sahira. Sahira? <laughs> what did he want? Well, he came shortly after... Good morning. Good morning, is... Is David here? No, but I expect him back within the hour. Would you care to wait? Oh, no, no. I, I'm just on my way home after purchasing this lumber. I'd better get on and be about my building. I just thought I'd stop and say thank you to David. Uh, t tell him I was here, will you? Why, I'd be happy to. Oh, uh, and, and tell him thanks for dividing the spoils of war as he did. Otherwise, I'd have had nothing with which to rebuild my home. Nothing. Of course I shall tell him, but... Well, aren't the spoils of war always divided among the soldiers? David was merely following the custom. Is any special thanks due to him? Oh, hasn't he told you? When we were pursuing the troops who had stolen our families, our march was so rapid that many of us became too exhausted to travel further. So at the Brook Besar, everybody threw down his pack, taking only the necessary equipment. The rest of the equipment was left there. And those of us who were too tired or ill to keep up the pace stayed behind and guarded the extra stuff. You were one of the ill ones? Yes. And when the others returned in triumph, some wanted the spoils divided only among those who rescued the prisoners. Then I'd have had my family, yes, but... Nothing, nothing with which to build or, or repair a home for them. But now you can build? Yes, for David insisted that every soldier have an equal share. God bless that righteous man. Please give him my sincere So as I said, David, thanks to you. And also, David... Oh, you're everywhere at once, encouraging and helping and suggesting. Well, you're the push behind the cleaning up and rebuilding of Ziklag. <laughs> you're just prejudiced in my favor. I do love you, if that's what you mean. That's exactly what I mean, Abigail. 
Oh, it's my fault that we got into this mess in the first place. So why shouldn't I do all I can to repair the damage? Oh, don't look at me like that. It is my fault. If I had trusted God as I should have, I'd never have gone to the Philistines for protection and asylum. And we wouldn't be trying to rebuild a burned city. Instead... Uncle David, sir, this man wishes to see you. Oh, thank you, Joab. And you, you needn't bow yourself to the ground in obeisance. I'm not a king or a prince. Arise and state your mission. Uh, I am come with a message of great importance, Your Grace. Where do you come from? Well, uh, I am a soldier in the army of Israel. I have but two days ago escaped out of the camp of Israel. Uh, How's the battle against the Philistines going? Uh, We lost the battle, sir. Uh. Uh, The people of Israel have fled from the towns and cities on both sides of the Jordan River. Uh, The king's army is no more, for his soldiers have fallen and dead. And King Saul and Prince Jonathan are dead also. Prince Prince Jonathan is dead? Yes, sir. Oh, so is the king. Here, sir, are his crown and jeweled bracelets. How could... How can you be sure that the king and the prince are dead? I, uh... Well, sir, by chance I happened upon Mount Gilead and beheld King Saul had been hit by a a swift flying arrow and had fallen upon his spear. Uh, He was severely wounded, yet the chariots and horsemen of the Philistines followed hard after him. Go on. Well, sir... When King Saul looked behind him and saw me, he said unto me, uh, Come here, young man. And I went unto the king. Uh, then he said to me, Who are you? And I answered and said, I am a stranger, an Amalekite. Uh, then the king said, uh, uh, Fall upon me, I pray thee, and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because I am still alive, and the Philistines are hard after me and will capture and torture me. Then I obeyed his command and stood upon him and slew him, uh, for I knew he could not live. Uh, Then did I take the crown from his head and the bracelets from his arm and have brought them hither unto my Lord. And David and all of the men of Ziklag rent their clothes and mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of Israel. Joab, send for the young man who gave us the news of King Saul and Prince Jonathan. You, you said that you slew King Saul at his command? That is correct, sir. Who are you? Oh, I'm the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. You're acquainted with the laws of Israel? I am, sir. Then you know the law. Why were you not afraid to stretch forth your hand to destroy Saul, the anointed of God? Sergeant, come here. You're an Amalekite, and by your own admission, you're acquainted with the Israelite law. Yes, sir. And I know when one does an Israelite a favor, he will be rewarded. I've killed your enemy. I've brought you valuable possessions of the one I slew. Uh, Do I not, by Israelite laws and systems, get paid for these things? By your own admission, you've committed a crime for which, by the law of Israel, you're guilty of high treason, for laying hands upon and slaying an anointed of God. Thy blood be upon thine own head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. The penalty is death. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. 
the beauty of Israel is slain. The mighty is fallen from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back. The sword of Saul returned not empty. The mighty is fallen. The mighty is fallen. In the midst of battle Oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in thy high places My brother Jonathan, very pleasant hast thou been to me Thy love to me was wonderful and strong. The mighty is fallen. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at one 800 your old grandmother. Oh, Grandma, you're not old. You're just very mature. <laughs> Sounds like something your daddy would say. So tell me, sweet granddaughter, 
Why did you come to sit on my porch on this lovely spring evening? Actually, I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be you. My teacher at school wants us to find some interesting characters in our town and ask them about life. Well, I'm flattered to be considered interesting. Okay, question one. What was your greatest achievement in life? That's easy. My son, your daddy, he grew up to be a fine man. Dad, he's your greatest achievement? Yep, and fruit salad. People really like my fruit salad. Fruit salad. Okay. Question two. If you could live your life again, what would you do different? Hmm, that's a tough one. Probably some would say, I don't want to make the same mistakes. But it's our mistakes that teach us the most. So I wouldn't change that. And I'd spend more time praising and less time complaining. What do you mean? I'd spend more time thanking God for my blessings and less time complaining to him about my problems. Most of our problems are the result of our making bad choices. So why complain to God because we messed up? Thanks, Grandma. You know what? You are an interesting person. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is Chapter 1, Buried Treasure. You never know where you might find buried treasure. Chris Vargas looked up from his Tiger Jet video game. His mother was standing behind him. Yeah, sure, like I'm going to find buried treasure in a bookstore. Mrs. Vargas knelt down beside Chris. He stared again at the screen in front of him. I mean, you might find something valuable there, she said. This is not an ordinary bookstore. This store has old, old books, some of them a hundred years old. So, Chris asked without looking up, who wants a dusty old book anyway? I'd rather play baseball. Mrs. Vargas looked at Chris, then at the television for a long time. Without saying another word, she walked over and switched the television off. Tiger Jet disappeared, and Chris watched the blank screen for a moment before turning to his mom. He didn't say anything. His face said it all. Look, I know you'd rather be playing baseball or here playing video game jets, but even though it's been raining all afternoon, I refuse to let you sit here on the floor and turn to mush. Chris looked at her and huffed. No more arguments, Mrs. Vargas said. You can even check with Ryan and see if he wants to go with you. Who knows? Maybe you two will find something you really like over there. Soon, Chris's friend Ryan was dashing through the rain from his front door to the Vargas's brown sedan. So where are we going, he asked as he leaped in. A bookstore, Chris said from the front seat. Why, Ryan asked, what kind of books does this place have? Chris shrugged. Mom? Mrs. Vargas smiled. Oh, they've got books about everything. Everything, Ryan asked. Everything, Chris repeated. Do they have books about baseball, Ryan asked. Yes, they have books about baseball, Mrs. Vargas said. Do they have books about Mars, Chris asked. Yes, I'm sure they have books about Mars, too. Ryan grinned. Do they have books about goats there? Mrs. Vargas paused. I'm 
pretty sure they even have books about goats there. Ryan and Chris looked at each other and grinned. Do they have books about goats playing baseball on Mars, Chris asked. Mrs. Vargas glanced at Chris, then playfully swatted him with her hand. Boys... When they arrived, Ryan and Chris were more impressed than they had expected to be. The Wonder World used bookshop covered two stories of what looked like an old department store. Bookcases towered toward the ceiling high above the boys' heads. Clerks in the store had to climb up ladders to get books off the top shelves. Cool, Chris said. Where do we start? Anywhere you want, Mrs. Vargas said, smiling. I'll be in that corner with the craft books. Let me know when you found something interesting. Hey, mister, Ryan called to the man at the cashier's desk. Where do you keep all the old books here? The man chuckled, put down his book, and looked up. They're all around you, son. What's the oldest book you have here? Chris asked, joining Ryan beside the desk. The oldest book. Hmm. Well, I guess it's probably that old English book of poetry over there inside that glass case. He gestured over his shoulder. It's about 220 years old. Wow, the boys looked at each other. How much does that cost, Chris asked. The man chuckled again. Well, it's not for sale. I imagine it's worth about $5,000. Whoa, the boys said, impressed again. But there are plenty of other old books around here, and you'd be surprised. There are even some older ones that you might be able to afford. Ryan started to leave. Chris waited to ask one more question. Hey, mister, do you have any books about goats playing baseball on Mars? Ryan grabbed Chris and pulled him away just as the two of them heard the old man spluttering behind them. Goats? Playing what? Where? Chris and Ryan laughed as they hurried down the aisles. They looked at the signs hanging from the ceiling that told them what types of books were stored there. Hey, adventure books are over there, Ryan said. Chris kept walking. Hey, here's sports, Ryan said. Chris stopped and started to turn when something caught his eye. What's that, he asked. He saw the torn corner of an old book sticking out from a stack of books on a bottom shelf. With a grunt, he lifted the other books aside and picked up the old one. Dust flew off the cover. What's a... a primer? Ryan closed his eyes for a moment. I think I remember that's what they called school books in the old days. That one looks like it's falling apart. Let's go over and look at the books on baseball. Chris ignored him. He sat on the step of a ladder behind him and opened the front cover. J. Elliot, he read, 1889. He looked up at Ryan. Wow, this book's over a 100 years old. Flipping carefully through the pages, he found that Ryan was right. It's a book to teach little children how to read, but the handwriting inside the cover looks like a man's handwriting. Ryan shrugged. My dad says that back in the old days, a lot of people didn't know how to read. Maybe this guy bought it for his kids, or maybe he was trying to teach himself how to read. Chris turned more pages. Wow, this is great. I wonder how much it's worth. That old school book looks like it's been through some hard times, the clerk said when they asked him. Its pages are water-stained and several are torn out. He closed the cover and weighed the book in his hand. The cover seems unusually thick, the man said. Well, sometimes they made books strangely back then. You know, my grandfather learned how to read with a book just like this one, and he lived right here in Mill Valley. Yep, sure enough, look here. The man opened the book to a page inside the front cover and showed them a stamp mark. Mill Valley School. Do you think the name on the inside cover was the owner, Chris asked? The man flipped it open and shrugged. There were a lot of adults in grade school back then. This was all wild frontier back in those days. Lots of outlaws, shoot 'em ups that sort of thing. They had to get schooling where they could. Cool, Ryan said. This guy could have been an outlaw. Tell you what. The man closed the book and looked up at the boys. This book has seen better days. I'll sell it to you for five bucks. 
Sold, the boys heard Mrs. Vargas behind them. If it's something that will keep Chris's attention off video games and baseball, it's well worth it. Mrs. Vargas paid for the book, as well as two books she had found. Chris and Ryan said goodbye, and Chris grabbed for the three books. His hand slipped, and his book fell to the floor with a crash. To his dismay, the cover and spine of the book came off. Pages scattered everywhere. Just a second, he yelled to Ryan and Mrs. Vargas. Ryan came back and helped Chris pick up the loose pages. Suddenly, Chris saw something strange. Hey, what's this? Chris picked up what looked like an old yellowed piece of newspaper stuck between two of the pages. Mister, this was in the book, Chris said to the clerk holding up the newspaper clipping. The man glanced up, then went back to his book. Keep it or toss it, he responded. If you bought the book, whatever is in it is yours too. Chris shrugged and put all the loose pages together. It was still raining when they got outside and they had to run to the car. But Chris's mind was on something he thought he had seen in the newspaper clipping. He climbed into the back seat of the car with Ryan. He immediately pulled out the news clipping again. Mail train robbed outside of Mill Valley, he read from the headlines. What's that, Ryan asked. He pulled the news clipping over to look at it as well. Look at this, Chris said. He pointed to several lines underlined below. Several thousand dollars were lost in the robbery and have not been recovered yet. Train officials believe the money is hidden somewhere near Mill Valley. Chris and Ryan looked at each other. Buried treasure! Chris felt the thick covers of the book. What other secrets were hidden there? have heard today is a chapter of the shoebox kids book one the mysterious treasure map it was written by jerry d thomas and used with permission from the pacific press publishing association if you're interested in any other books published by the seventh day adventist church please visit adventistbookcenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955 This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.